0: Steven. Hello, Steven.
1: I'm good en- to hear your voice.
0: Good to hear yours. I'm enjoying the the nice warm weather. I know not everybody likes it when it's hot. Um, a lot of people complaining about the heat when it was, you know, really hot uh, those few days last week, which means I'm definitely in Toronto or in the Toronto region, <laughs> the GTA, because we move from complaining about the cold to complaining about the heat. Um, And, but I, I love the heat. I, I, I should say I love the heat because I have air conditioning and I can escape the heat. Yeah. But I love when it, I love just when I go outside and all of me feels like it's being
1: massaged by warm, hot air. (laughs) I don't need that, that visual. No, that's well, not all. I'm (laughs) dressed. I'm I'm dressed while this is okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'm happy for myself. I'm not at that stage yet where I'm wandering naked in the streets. (laughs) Not Uh, yet. Not Not yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm preparing um i should probably uh get an address tattooed on me it's so just yep, just in, just in case return, return me in, in case yeah, yeah you it's find a- me wandering insensate <laughs> yeah put in an email box <laughs> yeah just try, no postage <laughs> required all right um we're going to talk today about enemy paul and the greens and the internal battle there uh over the leadership and the direction of the party uh but first up we're going to talk about Doug Ford and his invocation of the notwithstanding clause so that he could pass legislation that, effective, that has the effect of muzzling third party advertisers during elections because third party advertising almost always goes against the government. Um, well, and the- he, there's already been some third party advertising against Ford and his, his poll numbers are in the toilet and staying there. So what we're seeing here is desperation, but how do you feel about that move?
1: Well, um, it, it, it's complicated. I mean, notwithstanding clause, uh, absolutely the wrong thing to do. It sends the wrong message. It's not part of, of it's the first time Ontario has ever used the notwithstanding clause. It's what only, message do you think it sends? Well, I mean, it's, it, I think it is a combination of the Ford government is desperate, lazy, I mean, frankly, you know, invoking the notwithstanding clause is a sign of real laziness and real contempt for, for, for the Charter. Um, and the Charter works, uh, and it's only been, you know, the notwithstanding clause has only been used um, four or five times, five or six times in, in Canada's history. Now, I'm not including the period uh, between, um, what was it, between 1982 and 1987 when Quebec Inserted it into every single law that they passed. Now they did it basically is to get uh, to give the federal government a big finger and to prove that they were sovereign. Um, so they just said like we're and even in laws that the notwithstanding clause, which is designed to override the charter, even laws that had nothing to do with the charter, they still stuck it in just as a protest thing. So I'll, I'll include that as one one time that they used okay. it because A lot of the times that they used it, it really there's no reason to use it, but they were using it just, you know, to, to give uh, Ottawa the finger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Saskatchewan used it, uh, you know, again, this is a long time ago, like 1986. Uh, a, not surprisingly to beat up on unions seems to be a favorite thing. Um, and, uh, you know, Quebec you know, famously, you know, used it to uh, in their um, their act to amend the charter of the French language. You know, they like to use it in French language situations uh, in order to override the equality rights and the language rights that are in the Charter because, you know, they want to um, eradicate, uh, you know, other languages um, in, uh, inside Quebec. And, uh, you know, Quebec uh, is, is currently using it. Um, but Quebec did use it uh, for the Act Respecting the legacy of the state is the English translation, which is uh, basically there uh, in 2019, when they said that uh, public servants couldn't wear religious symbols, which is a clear violation of, of religious freedom under the charter. And they invoked it for that. Uh, and currently, they're, they're doing it right now for their new um, act respecting uh, French as the official language of Quebec. So, you know, it hasn't they haven't actually passed it through yet, but they built it into the legislation. So when it does pass, um, there's no charter challenges available. So, but Ontario did it for the Protecting Elections and Defending Democracy Act. I love um, the title, by the it way. Is, it is, and, it is, and, there's, and the padding of puppies and the, oh, the stroking of kittens.
0: Yeah, the, the I mean, right-wing governments are great at giving their uh, their policies, their, their, their uh, proposed legislation, the kind of title that when you when you object to it, they say you don't want to defend Ontario, you don't want to defend elections. Like it, it's it's a misleading title, but they do it to try to it, it's it's armor for them, and yep. they're brilliant
1: at it. Yeah, and you know so you're so you're you're arguing against protecting elections and defending a democracy. Exactly. What kind of a terrible person are you? Exactly. But of course, you know that act was to limit. Uh, the uh, spending ability by third parties. Uh, now, under the previous uh, government, uh, under Kathleen Wynne's government, there was a, uh, a similar law passed that said six months before an election that there are limits on third party. Um, it's not prohibition, but it's, it's $600,000. And there's you know tons of paperwork that you have to file and register and audit. And it, it is a little bit onerous. Um, so it was six months uh, under Kathleen Wynne, and uh, Doug Ford said, "I want it to be 12 months," which, strangely enough, started about two weeks ago, and that's one of the reasons that he used the notwithstanding clause because it went to court, and the court looked at it and said, "No, this is not a uh, this violates the Charter, and it it is not uh, a reasonable limit." You know, section one of the Charter has. Uh, this this great little little bit of language that says all of your rights are subject to such reasonable limits as may be demon- uh, demonstrated in a, de- a free and democratic society. So that's where you go, like, okay. Uh, you have freedom of religion but you can't have human sacrifice it might be very important to your religion but you can't have it because that's a reasonable limit on your religious freedom your freedoms are not absolute in canada and section one says okay even if it looks like it violates a section of the charter it's still subject to reasonable limits so the notwithstanding clause is used when you do something that offends the charter in legislation one of the provinces or the federal government. And it is not reasonable limit. I mean, because that's the saving thing. If it was a reasonable limit, the courts would say, yeah, that's a reasonable limit. But you are actually, as, as a province, saying, we know this is not reasonable. Or the courts have told us this is not reasonable. We're doing it anyway. And we're going to invoke the notwithstanding clause. And in fact, the judge who heard this uh, case actually uh, did, uh, you know, he went through and it had some, some, some tough wording for the... Um, um, for the for the uh, provincial government for Ontario, uh, you know, here I'll, I'll quote from you because every once in a while judges actually get off a couple of good ones. Uh, you know, they don't get too much of a chance to uh, to, to to spread their literary wings. So no, not at all. The, uh, so it's, it, the judge said that there's a thing that says if you are going to limit someone's rights, it must be the least invasive thing you do. It's called the minimal impairment. A uh, test under an old case called Oaks. Mm-hmm. Um where where the court said, okay, if you're going to limit someone's rights, you gotta do it in the least um the, the least offensive way possible. If there if there is a, a another way to do the same thing that that infringes people's rights less, then you got to take the, the less infringing option. So the judge in his judgment said, it's with the minimal impairment portion of the Oaks test that the rubber of Bill 254 hits the slippery road of justification, causing the act vehicle to skid off course. Um, so, you know, he's, he's feeling himself a little bit. But yeah. then <clears throat> he really, you know, really sticks it in the ear of the Ford government And he says, there's no justification or explanation anywhere in the attorney general's record as why the doubling of the pre-election regulated period from six to 12 months was done. It's like, we asked like, okay, so it's already six, why 12? And the Ford government had no answer for it. And they didn't even say anything. Uh, They just said like, well, because we want 12. Well, why why is 12 important? And what is twelve months doing that six months isn't doing, except for being six months longer? I mean, what what are you trying to accomplish with this? And the Ford government just said, "Eh, I I don't know. Um, And the so the judge threw it out, saying like, you can't even tell me why you're doing this. So I can't tell I can't tell you that that's a reasonable infringement on people's rights if you can't even tell me why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So Ford, and this is why I said they're lazy. Instead of then taking it to the next level, you know uh take taking up the chain of courts you know which ends up at the supreme court of canada takes time and all the rest for just said screw it notwithstanding clause i'm not even getting into the fight we we've been told that it's unreasonable we've been told that we have no good reason for doing it we've been told that it infringes on people's rights and can't be saved by section one of the charter so we're just going to do it with the notwithstanding clause even though everyone tells us this is clearly a violation of people's rights I I have a problem with the, the concept of the
0: notwithstanding clause. I think it's absurd. Um, you're the constitutional scholar between the
1: two of us. Oh, okay, between the two of us. Sure. Between
0: the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not casting a
1: general net. That's a that's a you know that's a fairly uh, discreet group of people. You
0: and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the the notwithstanding clause is absurd. You either have laws that apply uniformly across the land or you do not. And you can't say, yes, these are our laws. This is what we live by. These are the protections we have, except when someone decides you don't have those protections. Yeah. Like it, it, what is the point of a constitution setting down our rights and and responsibilities if somebody can just wave a magic wand and say, this doesn't count.
1: Yeah, there's a get out of jail free card just like ah. And you know, the, the notwithstanding clause, you know, it, Two things. You know, I I get asked on Twitter. Well, can't we take the, the the use of the notwithstanding clause to the Supreme Court and fight it? No, you can't. That's all I do. Notwithstanding clause. It is a trump card. There's there's you know, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. If a government invokes it, then that's the law, and there's no recourse from that. There's no appeal. But the notwithstanding clause came about because in in the very early 80s, you know, 80 to 82, when uh, Pierre Trudeau was negotiating with the uh, pro- uh, provinces to, um, uh, uh, to to repatriate the constitution and include a charter of rights. The provinces wouldn't sign it unless there was an notwithstanding clause, and, and Pierre Trudeau didn't. He hated it, and, and in fact, there was some talk between him and Cretchen because it was part of the uh, the um, the, ki- the kitchen conference that uh, that pounded out the last-minute deal to pass the constitution. Uh, and repatriate it it was basically a compromise the provinces came to cretchen and said we will sign but you got to give us this notwithstanding clause and you know the whole idea is notwithstanding clause is going to be plutonium um, any government that uses it is going to be seen as someone who doesn't care about human rights and the charter and so recourse to it is going to be very very rare and in very very unique situations um, and that's sort of the philosophy that 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 has reigned up until now, where you have you know no, no nothing politicians, you know people who aren't trained in governance or the law or constitutionality or all those other good things that are kind of boring but hold us together. They just go like, oh well, here's a tool in the toolbox. No one seems to use it very much, but sure, I'll hit that hammer, uh, hit that nail with this hammer, and. That's, you know, that's what Ford did. I mean, Quebec uses it all the time, just as I said, to, to assert their uniqueness and, and to, uh, to push their, uh, their language laws. But, uh, you know, it, other provinces have tried to use it you know, for, for, you know, they've threatened to use it for things like uh, overriding same-sex marriage and, and, and various other things. But most of them don't dare do it uh, because they know the political fallout is you know or should be you know severe problem is people are just you know the voters are getting tired and it's complicated and you know you and i've talked before about about you know people getting levels of government confused and this the level of of civics uh education in this country is sometimes sorely lacking so people just don't get just how how big a deal this is and that allows for the government to do it yeah it,
0: it You hope it's plutonium, but it's something that because it does have, as you mentioned, complications, it seems complicated. It's not. It's actually very cut and dried. but it seems complicated because it brings in the Constitution and you've got to cite the Constitution and you've got to cite this and why it's it's bad to invoke this. That's too much for people to absorb. They, yep. they need something that is black or white, they need something simple to absorb. And so the minute they start hearing there's nuance and gradations and complications, they don't want to know about it anymore. They'll just block it out. They'll, it, it's like uh, in those t- the TV shows about lawyers. The, the jury will disregard those comments. Yeah. It. They just tune it out. And in this case, I think that Ford has enough negatives that are going to dog him that uh, this won't, I don't think this will be a blip. What? See, I have this theory um, that negative publicity for for a government, or I suppose any political figure, it it's uh, it's briefly uh, taken in by the by by the brain and the conscious brain that comprehends it, and then it very quickly slips to a sticky part in the back and. Not enough of those bad stories over time fills that sticky area with bad sto- with a bad feeling about this person or this government. You, you no longer you, you can't enunciate why you don't like them, but enough of these things have thrown gone through your comprehension into storage that you, you you just have a feeling that you don't trust them you don't like them. Yeah, and it's like, it's like tartar buildup. It's like tar- it's like tartar buildup, um, and so. I think that uh, there has been enough, there's been enough negativity on Ford that I don't know. I mean, you know, an election in a year, COVID will be done, God willing. Um, people will want to forget about it and put it in the past because they want to think about it. But I think that the stink around Ford will, will stay there um, because people, I think, have baked in their opinion of him by now. And I don't think that even running a, you know, a big rah-rah brass band election campaign is gonna bring people back. It'll bring back the core that always vote for the, for the you know, the, the idiots from that family. Um, but I think, you, but you can't get elected with just that core. I think no. that the people who, uh, Ontario is generally liberal. Uh, look at our federal voting patterns. Ontario is generally liberal. Uh, people last time, even liberals, maybe especially liberals, were dis- dis- uh, disgusted with the, uh, the Wynn government because the conservatives had done a wonderful job of constantly, you know, drip, 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 mentioning scandals, mentioning corruption, mentioning scandals, mentioning corruption, until you couldn't think of Kathleen Wynne without those things, those words flying into your head. So they did a great job of dismantling her and what her government did. And there was also fatigue. The liberals had been in power for a long time. There was fatigue. And uh, so people, including people who had voted liberal before, either didn't vote or voted for Doug Ford. Because he didn't, he didn't seem like a scary alternative. Like, I think everyone knew, okay, this guy is not, this guy is not a genius. Um, he's a, a populist and he appeals to the lowest common denominator with his buck of beer nonsense. But they felt he was, they, they thought he was largely benign. And so they, they voted for, for the devil they don't know. And he quickly became worse than the devil they did know. I mean, his spending patterns, he, he's not more frugal than the uh, previous liberal government by any stretch. Oh, no, God no. And he's, uh, he, he has harmed people with his re- reduction in social services. Uh, there's been a lot of outcry by, by families of, of uh, kids with autism. About how they, their, the program was changed, and without consultation to them, and
1: how it's really, it's destroyed some families. But um, yeah. well, he's turned the one. province. he's turned the province over to the developers too. I mean, you know, whether it's the use of. Uh mzo's or you know the, the dismantling of, uh, of of various oversight groups and the handing out of development stuff i mean you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things whether it's the ontario line or the uh, you know the, the the highway that they want to build you know those are all to benefit friends i mean it's real crony politics uh, going you know back to tammany hall where you know you're rewarding your pals and in turn they give you a lot of money now i thought the interesting thing about about the um, the limitation you know the, that they've put on election spending by uh, by invoking the notwithstanding clause is it's clearly here you remember in, in the last provincial election there was a couple of groups you know, that was ended up being fun, funded by um, basically five construction companies and developers yeah uh, but they you know they they, uh, they called you know they were grassroots uh, you know on oh, terror yeah, it, it's amazing.
0: How yeah. when you trace back grassroots movements, it goes straight to the top of very wealthy companies.
1: Yeah, and you know, and they were all ones that had direct interest in building on the green belt, on the uh, on the moraine, on uh, building in protected wetlands, in buying surplus TTC stations and Ontario housing and uh, turning them into condos and building on railway land, all that kind of stuff. I mean, those those are the people, but you know, they put together a. a uh, um, th- their own uh, advertising, uh, uh, grassroots organization uh, that was pretty slick and pretty well funded, and they ran ads and they ran all kinds of ads against Kathleen Wynne and and pro Doug Ford. And I can, and they're going to be caught by this new law too. But what that tells me is that the polling and the Conservative uh, Party of Ontario believes that they were far less effective. In their ad campaigns, than on the left, you know whether it was the teachers or the nurses or the doctors or you know any of those other traditional groups who have a, a real trouble. Well, they, you know often they vote for the conservatives and then complain about them for the next four years because they always do exactly what they always do, which is go after the teachers, the nurses, and the doctors. Um, but uh, it's it tells me that. The advertising that was being done by the, those interest groups on that side was far more effective in hurting Ford than his, his astroturf groups of friends of developers and their campaign was getting him elected. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing this. I mean, he, you know, if, if he could out, uh, out fundraise and out influence people, then he would open the doors to election funding by third parties like they have in the United States. You know, some people. You know, I I sort of thought that uh, that this uh, this this act that uh, that um, uh, has limited uh, election spending to the next twelve months. In some ways, I I think keeping big money out of elections is a good thing, um, but you know, because we've seen in the United States, the Citizens United case opened up the uh, American election. <laughs> To it, people who could afford uh, to buy the presidency and buy was, the governorship. Yeah, and, it was and it, and it was the awful. beginning of the end of American democracy. Yeah. And it still is. And in some ways, you know, the Kathleen win thing was kind of a nice balance saying, okay, six months before, if you you, know, you can shoot your mouth off and run ads and do whatever you like up until six months before an election, but you can't buy the election. Um, and I thought that was a good thing. You know, extending it out to 12 months, I'm, I'm like the judge going like, does it give us something better more you know six you know if, if you have to stop advertising and, and putting full page ads in the in the national post or whatever uh you know six months before people aren't going to remember what happened six months ago on election day particularly it's the constant like you say the drip 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 of these things that change people's opinions during an election period and they you know they can still um they can still uh spend up to 600,000 dollars but it you know it's uh um you know during the uh, during the 12 months but uh, you know you know it's hard I say I think some of the principle involved which is keeping big money out of campaigns um is is an important democratic principle because we've seen what happens in the United States when you don't keep it out
0: yeah it's disastrous disastrous
1: but, but the way you know Ford has done it you know, by extending it f- for no reason, just because he's, he's really afraid of what the teachers are going to say about him in the next uh, six months. And like I say, using notwithstanding clause instead of waiting to, for it to go through all the courts, it takes effect immediately because we're now in the 12 months before the fixed election date for uh, for the next uh, provincial election. So that prohibition started immediately, which is one of the reasons he didn't mess around by appealing it. He just said, no, I'm going to use the nuclear option. I'm going to uh, use notwithstanding.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, ultimately it's not the death knell of freedom of speech in Ontario. Like some people have been, you know, uh, saying that the the sky is falling. It's not the death knell of free speech. It's uh, a further limit. It's a furtherance of a limit that already existed. Um, It's, it isn't so much that I object to the 12 months versus the six months. It's that I object to the use of the notwithstanding clause.
1: Yeah, because you know the first time you use it, it should be shocking. I don't think you know some people were shocked. Certainly, constitutional critics were shocked, and governance people were shocked. I'm not sure it really penetrated much into you know the the man on the street kind of thing. But the problem is, you know, once you've used it, it becomes a lot easier to use it again and again and again. And we have seen unscrupulous governments federally and provincially. And uh, you know, the problem with rights is. You know, you may, you know, today you may not be happy with the teachers or the unions or whoever else, but what's going to happen, you know, when they turn around and they come after something you care about and they use it and all of a sudden, oh, wait a second, you know, I don't mind you limiting someone else's rights, but don't limit my rights. You've just made it easier for them to do that.
0: Well, it's interesting they've chosen this hill to die on, um, but I don't think it'll kill them. And once you've you know once you've broken a, a taboo once it's it's easier to do it the second time, yeah. so uh, could he do this again? I think absolutely because I don't think he's uh, sc- uh, scored any real political damage, as anything substantial or, or lingering. I don't think it got him.
1: So... No, and there and there isn't that constitutional decency that says you know what, as a general principle, we should not be trampling on people's rights. Um, and I don't think that even occurs to them particularly. Well, decency
0: I mean, and, and this uh, present Ontario government—they uh, are—they're estranged. Uh, so they're, they're barely speaking to each other. Yeah, they're barely on speaking terms. Um, well, speaking well, of not being on speaking terms, yeah, we should. That's a great way to move. to How's our that a segue? Yeah, uh, Annamie Paul, the leader of the Green Party, uh so far, relatively yeah. new leader of the Green Party she's uh, she waded into the israel-palestine conflict the 11 days of of fighting that occurred uh about a month ago well last month um and she issued a statement that was even-handed that was uh balanced uh expressing concern for both sides and support for the aspirations of both sides, basically, like it was just, it was a motherhood statement. It actually really said nothing. But her MPs started to rebel, including one, Jenica Atwin, who went ballistic and said, there are not two sides here. There's just Palestinians being slaughtered and Israel being bad. And the some of the rank rank and file of the Green Party were angry at Annamie Paul for not taking sides. Um, which is kind of odd because the Greens, well, you, sure, Green stuff, when they, they launched was kind of a hippie movement, but their actual, their actual economic policies are closer to the conservatives than the liberals. Or the yeah, it's, it's surprising
1: how right-wing a lot of their policies are. Yeah.
0: Um, which is why, I, so I guess the, the loud vocal left-wing part of it uh, was angry at her. And then uh, her, I guess her principal assistant, executive assistant, I don't know, a guy named Nick Zatzman, um
1: senior advisor senior say. advisor
0: he chimed in and said that they were gonna he he, he oh he, he went nuclear um against the against atwin and against all the complaints uh, and he said you know we're only we only want candidates and members that are zionists basically and I thought that was, as a Zionist, I thought that was. I well, that a was statement. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was beyond the pale.
1: Could be a little limiting.
0: Yeah, I, Poli- I, in politics. Yeah, I, I don't think that your position on Zionism should really affect uh, your, your standing Canadian in the green Hardy.. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they triggered um, a procedure which could have led to a leadership review that failed. It didn't happen. She's holding on to her leadership for now, um, but I, th- I think it's really odd that they're not staying in their lane, that they're, they're ousting her, wanting to oust her. They're furious at her for talking about something which isn't really in the Green Party's wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, clearly there's there's some high feelings about this uh, within the party. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, Jenica Atwin uh, clearly feels uh, sympathetic uh, more towards the Palestinians and then towards Israel. And 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 uh, enemy Paul is is herself a, a convert to uh, Judaism. Um, you know, Noah Zatzman, I, I'm assuming, is is also of that faith. I think it's a fair assumption. I think it's a fair assumption. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they have strong feelings about it as well. But there's more going on because, you know, you, you can you can fight, you know, you and I had a, had a, had a talk. We didn't have a fight, but we had to talk about uh, about the issues uh, around the, the yeah. Israel-Palestine uh, conflict. And yeah. you know, reasonable people can have, uh, you know, differing views and share them uh, without uh, coming to blows. Uh, but, uh, but there's more going on here in the Green Party. I mean, I think, you know, is, is this an excuse? Because what we're hearing from a lot of, of Greens is that they're, you know, unhappy with the leadership. Um, and it, And it seems to be a lot of Personality-driven stuff directed at uh, Annie Paul. You know, they 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 say that she hectors people and doesn't listen to opinions, and uh, you know, doesn't show up for stuff. She's very much a my way or the highway kind of person, which you know was a little out of keeping with with the uh, I think the the mistaken persona of the Greens, which, like you said, and kind of hippie and you know sitting
0: around uh, with Birkenstocks.
1: Yeah, I've been singing yeah. the lion sleeps tonight. Yeah, yeah that kind exactly. of thing. Because you know, and the uh, lion <laughs> sleeps tonight. Yeah, there you go. Now you pulled a good one there. <laughs> but, Sorry, go know, on. No, but, and and they're, you know, they're different you know, in, in some ways than, than the European Greens. And the European Greens are, are, are a real political, you know, power in some countries to, to be reckoned with. But in Canada, they've always been kind of a fringe. And it's, you know, there's a frustration of not being listened to, just generally as a party. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a the frustration of not getting a seat. Um, you know, Annabelle Paul uh, has run twice in Toronto Centre. You know, the, the first time it gets Marneau, so you know he might as well just put a gun to your head, uh, even with the, the problems that Marneau had. And uh, you know, and the second time to uh, Marcy Ian, who was one of the the, the talking heads on the social, um, CTV's the social, and. Um, uh, how do I put this nicely? I'm, I'm not sure you're sitting in the presence of a great intellect there, but she had, uh, you know, name recognition and, you know, another black woman, um, and ran in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the writing that had been vacated by, by Morneau and enemy Paul couldn't beat her. Um, so there's obviously some frustration there and the party is kind of feeling it. I mean, Enemy Paul won with, I mean, it was a runoff. So you, you never know how, how much support she would have had, but I think she was elected with 53, 54% of the vote. Uh, you'd like to be a little more popular than that if you're gonna lead a party, that, especially that has some internal issues. Um, and a lot of those issues are just boiling to the surface now and you know, and it's inevitable. You know, Enemy Paul has now blamed Justin Trudeau and, uh, and uh, Frieden uh, earlier today. She was going on about, uh, you know, how she's basically Trudeau's uh, feminist beard. Yeah, she called um,
0: him Trudeau's female shield. And yes. uh, uh, Christia Freeland fired back. Uh, yes. She said, I am not a token, nor would I ever accuse another woman politician of being some man's token. That is not yeah. not how a feminist treats another woman. And ouch. <laughs> yeah, ouch. And well, I, I looked at this and I, I was like, okay, she's performing. You know, she's trying to perform as a leader. She's trying to stand out, show strength, and to say something controversial and bold. She's trying to show that she has the reins of the party. This is a performance. And I mean, much of politics is performance, but this is a performance in a performance, uh, so to speak. I, I really believe that this is just. Calculated to make her seem bold and in charge.
1: Well, it certainly got her into headlines where she, you know, she hasn't been for a long, long, long time. Uh, and there's, you know, you always have to think, well, who's the audience? Well, clearly the Canadian electorate in the run-up to, to, you know, this this election that everyone says is going to happen any day now. They've been saying that for the last uh, two years. Um, it's uh, so there, you know, she's getting profile by looking you know, tough and leader-like and, and and all that. And, you know, playing uh, a little bit the victim uh, because, you know, she's, she's, you know, throwing around uh you know, racism and feminine feminism as as the the background behind the attacks why isn't is
0: she throwing an anti-semitism at the same time she's a, she's it's funny i haven't seen that
1: one yeah like, i mean i, mean, know, I think on. it's implied if, it's implied in the, in the discussion about what uh, we real and all yeah but, rest, it, but
0: like if you've got cards you know add another card that strengthens your hand um it, it, this is one of those areas that i look at it and say this is only being called uh and you know, misogynist or anti-feminist and anti-Black because the person in question happens to be a Black woman. If uh, a male white person had done the exact same thing, we wouldn't be accusing anybody of uh, being anti-Black or anti-women, uh, but the, I think the exact same number of people who were outraged at the comment would still be outraged at the comment. I guess what I'm saying is I don't believe that the movement against her is based in bigotry. Um, well, at least not the bigotry of anti-Semitism and, and, and misogyny. I think it's based in a particular political position. And regardless of the, you know, the, the person could have been a potted plant and we would have had the exact same results without the, char- the charges of, of, fem, you know, anti-feminism and uh, uh, anti Person of color it's this is what disturbs me when you've got a person of color and a woman and let's just add in a jewish person in a position and they take a and they face political opposition about political stands they trot out the racism thing and use that to deflect from the fact that no somebody is making a perhaps cogent criticism of something you have done one of your decisions, one of your statements. And they completely discredit the person who, the, the critic, by saying that they were racist. And I mean, uh, Jagmeet Singh, when he was questioned about the Air India bombing and the people who committed it, and he hedged uh, about stating that it was actually uh, Sikh separatists that, that, that did that, um, he a few days came back and said, yes, okay, I I decry it. Uh, They were guilty. And he said that anybody asking him that question was doing it because of racism, as opposed to it's a natural question to ask somebody who is a member of a particular faith,
1: uh, where they stand on certain things. Oh God! We ask the Muslims constantly to denounce, uh, you know, Islamic terror somewhere, and they're sitting around going like, "I'm just having lunch here." Uh, you know, like, why do I have to, you know, uh, denounce every act of every crazy Muslim anywhere in the world it, it, to continually, uh, you know, reinforce and and uh, that uh, I'm a good citizen and I'm not a terrorist. Uh, also, what do you expect? Where is the outlet you expect the average Canadian
0: Muslim to have that many people will see? where they are, they're denouncing the terrorism. Most people, their, their, their platform, if it exists, might be Twitter or Facebook, but that's still only a percentage of the, of the population that has social media. Though if you're in social media, you think it actually represents the entire world. It doesn't. And so where would people, you know what are they supposed to do? Stand on their doorway with a with a broom handle and bang the broom handle? Are they supposed to do a Howard Beale from Network and open the, the window of their apartment and yell out into the street? Like I've always thought, this is a really ridiculous uh, a ridiculous thing to, to ask. But I don't like, and I, I don't want to sound like a, a white apologist here, but I think that there are times when uh, r- charges of racism or sexism. Uh, or anti-Semitism are used cynically. Yeah, and they're used I think, to derail
1: uh, derail someone. You know, when you don't really have uh, you know much of a, of a real excuse for your behavior.
0: Yeah, it, it's often it does not appear to be rooted in any of those things. It appears to be a fair comment or fair criticism about somebody's conduct or somebody's statement or somebody's leadership, and that that they turn the person into an ogre. And so they effectively protect themselves from any kind of proper, uh, you know, criticism. Um, There are clearly times when, you know, racism and sexism and anti-Semitism are behind people's statements. Yeah, you know, either overtly or even or subtly. Or subtly, yeah. But I do not believe that this challenge to her leadership was rooted. I mean, they elected her she's exactly. a black woman yeah. why would you now say that they're trying to get rid of her because she's a black woman this this does not make sense
1: well and it's their own party that's trying to get rid of her too so yeah. it, it, it's like well you'll get your you know if you're a leader you'll get your house in order uh but you know these are the people who did elect you like you say so it's you know if any criticism of you as a leader doesn't you know doesn't necessarily have its root like we said in in race or in in gender i mean you know elizabeth may was a woman. Uh, you know they, they have a long history of having women leaders. um so you know clearly the party itself isn't misogynistic and you know for her to say you know well the you know the the trouble we're having because of the liberals somehow it's the liberals uh because uh, Jenica Atwin crossed over to the liberals um you know well you know they're they're against me because I'm a woman it's like well but it's a woman who's leaving your party to go to the liberals. So your problem is the, the female MP who doesn't like your leadership anymore, for whatever reason, whether it's opportunism or a fight over Israel-Palestine, or she just doesn't like your your, your leadership style, um, that, that's not misogyny. That is, I don't like you as a leader, as a person, it has nothing to do with, you know, close my eyes and all the rest, it, but it isn't a misogynistic thing because all the principal people in this are women. Including Christy Friedland now. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, Well, then there's there's the arguments about internalized misogyny, uh, which mostly I think is BS. Uh, What do you think about Jenica Atwin crossing the floor? How do you feel about MPs who cross the floor to another party?
1: Well, usually it's political. Unless you are uh, Winston Churchill, uh, who crossed the floor (laughs) twice. Yeah. Uh you know, most people who cross the floor don't generally enjoy long political careers. I mean there's a couple of notable ex- exceptions. I well, mean Jean-Charest me did that. Um
0: you know. Well that, that there were reasons for that. There was a lot of pressure on him. Yeah and it was to pro- save it was it was, pro-
1: and it was provincial federal as yeah. well and you know Quebec is a is a a, a unique place. But and, Belinda Stronick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean but very few people do it successfully um, so you know it may be career limiting unless she has a real following where she uh, where she is um, and you know people people don't like people who who, leave their party it just you know just seems disloyal and that's a character flaw that people tend to hold against political candidates but you know she may be personally uh, very popular I'm sure the liberals will throw a lot of uh, money and people and effort into her riding in the next election Um, because you know that's that's a vindication if they can hold on to that seat Um, but you know I, I floor crossing you know some people say well there should be a new election she should you know have the guts to resign and restand for her her seat and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff it's like that's not our system our system is uh you know you you vote for someone and sure if you are someone who cast a green ballot in her riding in the last election you may feel like now you know you do not have someone who represents your interests anymore because you voted party and not the person there'll be other people who vote the person um, and there's other people who just you know pick the third name on the list and, and mark the ballot um, and you know none of this makes any difference to them I mean it's a risky move and I, I some people I don't know if she's going to be a bright light of the liberal party um, but uh, it's- well it was very
0: interesting that when she crossed the, crossed to the liberals she issued a statement on Israel Palestine which sounded sounded suspiciously like the one that Annamie Paul made that she, she went uh, nuclear over uh, yes I thought you know if you're leaving because you have a principled stand against where your party is or your leader leader is, to go to another party and then adopt the basically same position that you were leaving the other party for, well, that doesn't speak well to your, no. your sincerity, your credibility. Apparently, talks have been going on for a little while. My personal feeling, <coughs> excuse me. My personal feeling is that when you're elected to represent a party, the people in, the, in that riding are really very rarely voting for you. They are voting for the sign color. Unless you've been there a long time or you're a very prominent person, uh, they're voting for the party, the party that they wanna see in government. And so switching is violating your, the, the, the commitment to the voters that elected you. They didn't choose to elect a liberal they chose to elect a Green Party member. They don't want to be represented by a liberal at this point in time. They wanted to be represented by a Green Party member. And I think that uh, it shows very poor character to cross the floor. If you find yourself with evolving uh, uh, ethics, evolving values, or you find your party is leaving you behind, well, the honorable thing to do is quit.
1: Yeah, and... You know, I, 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 we were talking about the number of people who have crossed the floor. I mean, maybe because they sort of disappear into history. There are you know, a lot of people who, you know, if you, if you actually just look up the number of people who have crossed the floor, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, it happens a lot more than I think people uh, think. I mean, some people leave their party to sit as an independent because they've they've lost faith in the lead. Yeah, that's or, another,
0: I should have mentioned, yeah, that's
1: another option. Or, or, or over, a, uh, over an issue um that they uh you know they have a problem with um but you know there's there's people who uh you know um uh well i'm not gonna read the list because it's way too long but there's a tons of people you know includes you know belinda stronic and david kilgore um you know there's uh uh there's a couple of people uh who who uh, sat as independents, uh, you know, um, um, Bev uh, De Jarlet, who was an NDP, who, uh, you know, her party didn't renominate, you know, she was a sitting MP and her own writing association wouldn't uh, renominate her. So she sat as an independent. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I think you're right. I think people do when you're buying something, when you're buying a politician, you're voting for somebody, you're 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 voting for a reason. And like I said, it might be because you really like the person, or it might just be because they're the first name on the list. Um, but you know, more often than not, you know, even though we don't have a a uh, American system of of government, uh, the uh, you know the people will vote the party uh, to elect the prime minister the, of their choice, which is it wasn't even close to the way our system works, but that's the way a lot of people think. It's like, well, I want to elect Justin Trudeau or I want to elect Jed Meek thing, so I'm going to vote NDP, whoever the NDP person is. And I've 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 worked in you know I have not for a long 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 time, but I remember working polls, oh back in the back in the '80s and '90s, and people would come marching in and say, who is the conservative candidate? And you give them a name, and they go, "Never heard of them." I'm going to go vote for them. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> unless you, you you really thought this through, haven't you? But it's because you know, national campaigns become more and more important, and people buy into sort of either leadership stuff or hot button issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going back to what you said, yeah, I think it is a little unfair to people who do vote that, uh, you know, with that in mind, that all of a sudden they're represented by a uh, someone who they. Uh, you know, belongs to a party that they would never have voted for in a million years. Well, that's probably
0: why they have a short lifespan. It's one thing if you cross the floor and you get an immediate cabinet position, because then the prestige of the cabinet position might get you reelected. But without that, with you just going and becoming a member of a faceless horde, um, people are going to feel that you, you're not trustworthy. And they would be right. You, they, they trusted you with their vote. And you didn't uh, respect the wishes of the voters, so out you go. And I can I can understand that. I mean, maybe there was some movement, uh, bat- like that NDP member you're talking about. Maybe there was some rumblings in her riding association. That they weren't going to renominate her because people, you know, nominations are com- are happening now, readying ourselves for that that election that's been coming for two years. Um, So maybe there was some rumblings and this is an act of trying to to save her career while recognizing it's a giant risk. We don't know. We don't have access to inside Jenica Atwin's brain, but I really think that uh, it it doesn't speak well to your view and respect for the voters and democracy when you flout the the wishes of the, the electorate and follow your own particular
1: ambition. Yeah, well, it'll make for some interesting old candidates meetings, at least, because, you know, someone will, will ask that question, like, why did you leave? And if you can come up with a principled, uh, you know, answer to it, then maybe people will respect you. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my
0: breath either. And people do not have to hold their breath till next week for the ne- next episode. I'd advise you to breathe. Um, in, over the next uh, few days, the next Everything's week. Everything's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, Stephen and I will be back to discuss issues next week. I pray for a world, Stephen, where there are no issues to discuss. Everything's perfect. But <laughs> I, I suspect talk. that's never
1: going to happen. I can, I can give cooking tips. Sure. Well, cheesecake. Apparently, that's all the rage. <laughs> well, if you call that cheesecake, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. We're, uh, we're done. Stephen, thank you once again. Always a pleasure. Stephen Lawton's can be found at Stephen Lawton's on Twitter, S T E P H E N L A U T E N S. I'm Stephen Kersner. I want to thank you for listening. This has been Stephen and Stephen.